Yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Cowboys Beat Podcast for January 22nd, 2024. On today's episode, we're going to be going over Mike McCarthy keeping his job as Dallas Cowboys head coach, Dan Quinn returning if he doesn't get a head coaching job, Doc Prescott's potential extension, what the Cowboys are going to do over the offseason after this first round exit, and we're going to be having our first three-round mock draft, the three-round mock draft 1.0. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. So the Dallas Cowboys are going to keep Mike McCarthy as their head football coach. I don't agree with this move at all. I really don't. I I think that this is the wrong move for this organization. This team wasn't ready. Okay, they weren't. They were a better football team than the Green Bay Packers. They were a more talented football team than the Green Bay Packers. There's a reason why they had nine All-Pros on their team. There's a reason why the Green Bay Packers had zero All-Pros on their team. There's a reason why the Cowboys won 12 games this past season. There's a reason why the Green Bay Packers won nine. There's a reason why the Cowboys were 8-0 and at home. There's a reason why the Green Bay Packers were 4-5 and on the road. And I understand, you know, Overall record for the season doesn't dictate what a team actually is, right? Because a team can catch fire late, like we saw with the San Francisco 49ers a few years ago, who knocked us off in the first round, ended up going to the NFC Championship game. A team can catch fire late, but at the end of the day, this is a team that a few weeks prior to playing the Cowboys, they got lit up by Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers. They lost to Tommy DeVito and the New York Giants. They got killed by Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, by the way, Baker Mayfield played a really good game uh, today versus the Detroit Lions. There's a reason why these things happened, okay? The Cowboys were the better football team, but they didn't play like it. You want to know why? Because 50 players on that team decided not to play that day. Because there were players, don't get it twisted, there were players that showed up to play that day. In particular, the three that I'm looking at, Jake Ferguson, tremendous effort from him. Michael Gallup, tremendous effort from him. And Tony Powered played his ass off. You know, there were a few guys that showed up to play. But overall, this team looked shook. They looked like a team that felt the pressure. They looked scared in this game. And they're playing a team that was the youngest team in NFL history to ever make the playoffs. Okay, they lost in the first round, and they didn't look competitive. They didn't look competitive at all. That game wasn't close, guys. They lost 48-32, to 32, and the game is, the score of the game does not dictate how poorly the Cowboys played and just how, much, how outclassed they got in that game. The, the score is not indicative of how the game actually was. They got killed, and even though the score dictates that they got killed that game. It was worse than what it actually was. You know, this is a team that's consistently at the top of the league in penalties under Mike McCarthy. Okay. 2023, they were third in the league in penalties with 115. 2022, they were ninth in the league in penalties with 104. 2021, they were first in the league with 127 penalties. 2020, they were 11th in the league with 96. So 2020, not that bad when you compare it to the other years. Just unacceptable, though. He has a one in three playoff record with the Dallas Cowboys. And I understand he wasn't the play caller for three of those losses, but the one game that he was the play caller was the ugliest of the losses. You know, this team did not show up prepared in big games. They just didn't. When you look at the three 
biggest games of the season for them outside of those Philly games because those Philly games were were big and they showed up prepared and I will give them credit for that. Even when they went on the road and put up a really good fight against Philly when they were playing good football, you know, I gave them a lot of credit for that. I said, look, you're not going to win them all. It's a tough spot. You played your heart out and you just you just weren't the better team that that day. Get them next time. And then when they played in Dallas, they got them that time. They played really good football that day, but I think I might put that more on the Eagles completely folding than I do the Cowboys playing really good. But 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 you know what? You want to know what? They deserved credit for that win, no doubt about it. San Fran showed up flat. Arizona, by the way, two weeks prior to the San Fran game, showed up flat. Bills showed up flat. And then the worst of them all was the Packers. That was the worst loss of them all. And I understand the offense put up 32 points, but you were down 27 to seven at halftime, guys. I mean, that's just, that's ridiculous. This is a front running football team. Aaron Jones told you that too. He said that before the game. He said, we're going to punch those front runners in the face. And that they did. They absolutely did. And it was embarrassing to see. They, they don't respect this team. They don't. A 9-8 and eight football team, youngest team in NFL history, came into your building, said, we're going to take the ball first, called you front runners, put on sunglasses after they scored. They, didn't, they weren't scared of you. They weren't scared one bit of you. And it's because of the culture that this organization has. Start, it starts at the top with Jerry Jones, and it trickles down to Mike McCarthy. People aren't afraid of losing their jobs. There's going to be no accountability coming out of this game. Mike McCarthy keeps his job as the head coach. If Dan Quinn doesn't want to take a head coaching job, or if he doesn't get a head coaching job, he'll be the defensive coordinator. Dak will get the biggest contract in NFL history. CeeDee Lamb's going to get the highest NFL or uh, the highest wide receiver contract in the NFL. Mike is going to get the highest defensive player contract in the NFL. Players are going to get paid. Coaches are going to keep their job. And by the way, if Dan Quinn gets a head coaching job, you want to know what that's called? A promotion. When you're a defensive coordinator and you get and, and you become a head coach, that's a promotion. So your defensive coordinator gets promoted, your head coach keeps his job, players get paid. Where's the accountability? That's not acceptable. This loss is not acceptable, guys. They're nowhere near a Super Bowl. Talent-wise, yes, they have plenty of talent on this team. Oh, man, they have talent for days on this team. This is an A roster that they have, guys. And especially when you have a a guy like Bill Belichick out there. You know, people want to call him a fossil, that the game has passed him by. I saw this guy hold Josh Allen in a must-win game for Josh Allen. Took 145 yards. Had more interceptions than touchdowns. Played good football against the Miami Dolphins, one of the most innovative offenses in football. You know, I, I think it was a week three game. They played the Miami Dolphins. There wasn't any tape of, you know, defenses playing good football against the Dolphins. New England went out there, did a really good job against that offense. Bill Belichick understands the modern NFL game, and or at least how to defend modern NFL offenses, something that Dan Quinn doesn't know how to do. And yeah, he probably would have brought in Josh McDaniels. I, 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 I get it. But at the end of the day, that defense would have been playing at such a high level that as long as the offense puts up 24 points a game, they'd be straight. 
They'd be straight. There's so much talent on this defense. And I would have loved to have seen what Bill Belichick would have done with this defense. And just overall, man, like, I get it. Mike McCarthy's not going to get an ex- he's not getting an extension this offseason. Doesn't mean that he can't get an extension next offseason. This team's got to make the NFC Championship game. Or bye-bye Mike McCarthy. I don't want to hear about this divisional round and, oh, we're, we're heading in the right direction. No, you're not. You're not. You lose in the divisional round. You're not heading in the right direction. Make the NFC Championship game. You know, yeah. Well, you, Mike McCarthy deserves an extension if they make the NFC Championship game. But is that what this is about? Is this about making the NFC Championship game or is this about winning Super Bowls? And how do you come to the conclusion that a guy who coached a team who got smoked in the first round when they were a much better football team, how can you convince me, how can you convince the fan base that this guy is the right guy for the job? They're nowhere near a Super Bowl with this coach. Personnel is not the problem with this football team. It's not. You see coaches out here, Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur got the absolute most out of his football team. Pete Carroll last season got the absolute most out of the Seattle Seahawks. You know, there are coaches that get the most out of their personnel. And if Mike McCarthy could get the most out of his personnel with the Cowboys, they'd win a ton of football games, which they do, but they'd actually have postseason success. You know, the games that actually matter the most. So the Cowboys keep Mike McCarthy. I just flat, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it whatsoever. In other news, Dan Quinn is expected to be back as the defensive coordinator if he doesn't get a head coaching job. Which, by the way, if you're an owner, ask yourself this question. Are you hiring Dan Quinn over some of the candidates that are out there? Are you hiring Dan Quinn over a Vrabel, over a Belichick, over a Harbaugh, over a Ben Johnson, over uh, a Bobby Slowick, over uh, McDonald from uh, Baltimore? Are you going to hire Dan Quinn over any of these guys? Because I wouldn't. And I think you'd be crazy to do that. And honestly, if he doesn't get this Seattle job, I don't think he's going to get a head coaching job. I think that's his best shot. I don't think he's he's getting the job in Washington. I think that's going to Ben Johnson in Detroit. And what other jobs are there left for him to potentially get? He's going to be back with the Dallas Cowboys, guys. That is my prediction for this season. He will be the defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys this year. And expect to see... The same that you saw from this defense this year. You know, it's so funny. I hear so many excuses about Dan Quinn. You know, I I, I love, well, what do you expect him to do about the lack of linebackers? Uh, I don't know. Play the linebackers that you have. Maybe not roll into the season with three linebackers on your roster. If you're a defensive coordinator and you see that many linebackers on your roster, you got to put your hands up and say, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we can't do this, guys. Okay. We got to make sure that we're 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 stocked at linebacker, so that if, God forbid, Leighton Vander Esch, who was an injury prone player over the course of his career, if something happens to him, we got to make sure that we have an adequate replacement for him. But they didn't have that. They rolled with three linebackers, and I was under the assumption, okay, they're going to play Micah more at linebacker. Nope, didn't happen. Played a majority of his snaps at defensive end, and and look, you know, there there were some perks to keeping that many safeties. Right, like they they kept Wanye Thomas, who we all see. I mean, this guy is one; of, he's a top three safety on that football team. You know, I look Malik Hooker, Donovan Wilson, and then Wanye Thomas. He's the third best safety on that team. J. Ron Curse. Now, I'm 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 done with J. Ron Curse. He probably won't be back with the team next year either. If we're keeping it a hundred uh, here, 
you know, so that was the lone positive that came out of that. But you kept Israel McQuamu on your team. Why'd you do that? If you weren't going to use him, which by the way, I like Israel McQuamu a lot. I think the guy can flat out play. And I saw him do it in the biggest moments for the Cowboys in the 2022 season. I saw him come out and play really good football against Chris Godwin. I saw him play good football against the San Francisco 49ers. Okay, so I need to know what happened for Dan Quinn to sour on Izzy like that to the point where, like, he barely got any time this year. It, it, it's it's incredible to me. It, Israel McQuam is a guy that's like a Swiss Army knife, right? Like a guy like Dallas Goddard for the Eagles, I look at Israel McQuam and I say, yo, go handle that. Good length, physical, Sticky in coverage against bigger receivers, whether that be big slot receivers or big tight ends. This guy can flat out play, and he didn't play it all this year. But if you were going to keep him on your roster, like, why not play him? And if you weren't going to keep him on your roster, and if, like, you, you risk linebackers at that point. Three linebackers going into the season is unacceptable, flat out un- unacceptable. And, you know, that's a call that Dan Quinn made. You know, he had a horrendous game plan versus the Green Bay Packers. Just flat out horrendous. And at every turn, Matt Matt LaFleur ran circles around him. He has a lot of problems with that coaching tree. He really does. And you want to know what the problem is? That coaching tree is taking over the NFL, guys. You're going to start seeing that within this division this year with Ben Johnson. I don't know if he comes from that coaching tree. Um I didn't look that up. But he does a lot of that Shanahan, McVay stuff. You know, you're going to see these guys for a long time here. We'll see what happens with Bobby Slowick and where he goes. Maybe he goes to an NFC team. And maybe you have to deal with that guy. But these guys aren't going anywhere. And it's very clear that Dan Quinn has a lot of trouble going up against that style of coordinator. You know, he, he did good against Sean McVay. No doubt about it. These past two seasons, he did. Shanahan, LaFleur took him to the cleaners. Uh, Mike McDaniel, even though the score didn't dictate it, took him to the cleaners. They did not. They they did not play the level of defense that people thought that they did against the Miami Dolphins. They didn't. Tua just Tua didn't show up. I mean, Tua was not good that game. He showed up when it mattered the most. Tua was missing throws all over the field. Miami Dolphin receivers were dropping footballs all over the field. It was, it was ridiculous that they were even that close in that game. You know, consistently struggling against good offenses. Like, like I said, that's something that I got jotted down in my notes here. Playing guys out of position. Marquise Bell is not a linebacker. He's not. He is a J-Ron Curse type of safety. That's the role that J- or, uh, Marquise Bell can play. And I think he's a really good football player. I do. But the thing is, they didn't put him in the best position to succeed. And to his credit, he tried. It's not like this guy went out there and, and lacked effort. Marquise Bell gave a ton of effort for the Cowboys this year. You know, he was he was a good asset for them. But when teams realized, hey, we have a 205-pound linebacker, let's run the football at him. And guys, here's the thing. Was he actually 205 pounds? Did he lose weight during the season? I mean, there's a very real possibility that this guy was under 200 pounds playing linebacker for the Cowboys. Just not big enough. And maybe that could work if you had a Mike linebacker that could deal with double team blocks so that you can keep a guy like that clean. But they didn't have that. 
Leighton Vander Esch, not a Mike linebacker. Neither is Damone Clark, and they play the same way too. And it's it's very dis, you know disencouraging to say, discouraging to say. You know, Damone Clark when he was at LSU was downhill all game. Now he gets to the NFL and he starts catching people. I, it's 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 a mess, man. You know, didn't adjust in big games. It didn't adjust at all. Like when when offenses were giving them work, he made slight adjustments. Gilmore, go go deal with DK Metcalf. Okay, like he made slight adjustments like that, but wholesale adjustments to where oh hey Mikey, you're playing really good at my uh, off ball linebacker. Hey, go play off ball linebacker. You know, things like that. Adjusting for having a lack of linebackers. Hey, Will, go get me some linebackers. I mean, are, are you trying to tell me that if Dan Quinn went up to Will McQuay before the trade deadline, which, by the way, guys, Leighton Vander Esch got hurt before the trade deadline. They said that they were good with their team. They didn't make any moves because they were good with their team. Okay, so Dan Quinn okayed the fact that they had a lack of linebackers on this team. If he didn't feel like he had adequate linebackers on his team and enough depth at that position, then he should have went out of the way and said, hey, Will, we're light at linebacker. I need you to go get me somebody. And Will McClay would have would have went and got him somebody. There were linebackers on the market that you could have picked up. you know. But they had Rashawn Evans. Okay. And they didn't play him. And when they did play him, he showed some good things on tape, guys. So I'm, I'm just... I'm really done with Dan Quinn, and this defense fell apart after week 13. You want, you want me to go over some numbers for you guys? Shout out to Tom Downey uh, at Chat Sports for bringing this up. Okay, since week 13, overall EPA on defense, 27th in the league, 0.078. Pass defense EPA, 28th in the league, 0.230. Successor, or uh, no, no, run defense EPA, 16th, negative 0.0. 102. Success rate, 27th in the league, 48%. Pass defense success rate, 31st in the league, 52.7%. Run defense success rate, 24th in the league, 42.4%. And this guy is going to come back and be the defensive coordinator. It's happening, guys. Sooner you prepare yourself for this disappointing news, the worse it's going to feel. Uh, Dan Quinn's going to be back, and there's going to be no no accountability with the coaches. That defense was terrible versus the Packers. We could put as much blame on Dak as we want, but overall, the defense was the reason why the Cowboys lost this game. Did you guys see the defenses this weekend? Lions defense being able to make stops. Ravens. Chiefs, they were able to make some stops. You know, San Francisco 49ers. All these defenses were able to make stops for their quarterbacks and their offense. Right, You put any of these quarterbacks in the situation that Dak was in, they're not winning that game. And Dak didn't play good against the the Green Bay Packers, and we're going to get to him here uh, quickly because I want to make sure that everybody gets their accountability. The biggest figureheads. You know, Jerry Jones, look, he put together a good roster. This is a good football team. My problem with Jerry Jones is the fact that this isn't a winning culture that he has here. And he's hiring bad coaches. Those are my two biggest gripes with Jerry. Outside of that, he is a great personnel department. They put a lot of talent on the field, but the coaches don't get enough out of that talent. 
So if I'm going to get on Jerry, I'm going to get on that. But I'm holding the three biggest guys that we see on the field every single week accountable. Mike, Dan, Dak. Those are the three biggest guys. And we're going to get to Dak here uh, real quick. Um, we're going to talk about his, his extension, but we're going to take a quick break here. So it's expected that Dak Prescott is going to get a contract extension. It is going to be very big, guys. It's probably going to be the biggest contract that a quarterback has ever gotten in NFL history. That just It's just how it is. The market keeps going up year after year. We thought that Dak Prescott getting $40 million a year, what's that, three years ago now, was a lot of money. The market is now up to damn near $60 million. These things are going to continue to go up. These numbers are going to continue to go up. And um, that's just the way the league is. But, uh, you know, the main question that I have is, is it fair to criticize Dak Prescott for his 2023 season? I mean, he was flat out incredible this year with a play caller that I don't necessarily think is up to date with the modern NFL. He did a lot of really good work and cut down on his, on his interceptions, you know, had a second team all pro season. I thought that he improved on some of the things that he needed to improve on this year. One problem that he had was not seeing certain defenders over the middle of the field, and it did bite him in the back uh, in that Green Bay game. And, you know, he when he did turn the ball over a few times, that was some of the mistakes that he made. But I, I saw less of that this year. Hopefully he can continue to cut that down. You know, I... I I think it's fair to say this. Dak had a great regular season. Great, excellent regular season. He deserved that second team All-Pro. But, I mean, he wasn't good in that postseason game. But here's the thing, guys. I do want to bring this up. The defense was terrible that game. It was really bad. And I'm not trying to, you know, push blame away from Dak Prescott because he deserves a good amount of blame. But I want to let you guys in on something. Last year versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Dak Prescott got off to a slow start. Those first two drives got off to a slow start. You want to know what the difference is? The defense got uh, stops. Okay, Dak got off to a slow start versus the Green Bay Packers. You want to know what the difference was? The defense wasn't getting stops. Okay, that was the difference between those two playoff games. Dak was able to settle in. He had confidence in his defense. And when he saw that his defense was having trouble against the Green Bay Packers, he started pressing. You know, that first interception with Jair Alexander, I don't think it was a bad play by Dak. Okay, I didn't love the play design. I didn't, you know, but Jair Alexander made a really good play. Probably got away with pass interference, holding, whatever it may be. One of those two calls, whether the ball was in the air or not, depending. I'd have to go back and look. But he got away with something. But it was a great play by Jair Alexander. Tip your cap to the guy. He did a really good job on that play. You know, but here's the thing. Dak is one in three in the playoffs in these past three seasons. I mean, look, I'm not paying attention to the Dak from 2019 and before that because he wasn't a developed, refined quarterback at that point, right? He was still a developing young quarterback. So, you know, hiccups in the playoffs are to be expected, it's going into year nine now, guys. And I know this is a tough conversation to have because I really like Dak Prescott. I do. And and I'm not saying that the Cowboys should get rid of him. I'm not saying that at all because there's a very real possibility that if you get rid of Dak Prescott that you're going to replace him with somebody that's not even close to Dak Prescott. He is a top eight quarterback in the league. There's no doubt about it. And it's very hard to find quarterbacks that play at that high of a level. 
And do you guys actually believe in this organization's ability to scout quarterbacks? They wanted to trade up for Paxton Lynch. They wanted to trade up for Connor Cook in the 2016 draft. They thought that Jameel Showers was going to be a guy. They lucked into Tony Romo. They lucked into Dak Prescott. This isn't a Green Bay thing to where, you know, they were able to evaluate a quarterback and make a decision to go pick somebody up, and they had success finding quarterbacks like that. It's not one of those things. Tony Romo is an undrafted free agent. He exceeded every expectation put on him. He did. He exceeded expectations. You might say, oh, well, he fell in the playoffs. Guys, the fact that he was an undrafted free agent and he got as far as he did means that he exceeded the expectations that were put on him at the beginning of of his career. He exceeded expectations. You know, but when once he got onto that stage, once he started being looked at as a premier quarterback, yes, he fell short of the expectations from that standpoint. But if you're an undrafted free agent, the likelihood of you becoming a franchise quarterback to the extent of Tony Romo is not very high. And when you're a fourth round pick that the Cowboys got from a compensatory pick and you become a quarterback to the level of a Dak Prescott, you have exceeded every expectation. But I say all this to say, because I went on a little bit of a tangent there, one in three in the playoffs, it's something we got to look at, guys. And in those three playoff games that they lost, he played bad football. He just did. Look lost, look confused, look like the pressure got to him. And you got to ask yourself this question if you're the front office. All right, does he get nervous in these spots? And if he gets nervous, how do we work around that? You know, because I do believe that Dak at the beginning of these playoff games feels a little bit of nerves. But once he starts to see something's clicking, then he lets loose a little bit. How do we how do how do we counteract that? Right? And I, I think the way to go about it, and we're going to talk about in the offseason moves, is to, you know, get a good rushing attack. Defense has got to play better. Because I'm going to tell you this, you know, Lamar Jackson in the first half didn't play good football against the Houston Texans. But guess what? His defense kept him in the game. It was what, 10-10 at the end of the first half? It was 27 to 7 at the end of the first half for the Green Bay Packers. Now I get it. Dak did throw a pick six. Okay. And I'm not going to put that on the defense because that's not right. I'm not putting that, that pick six on the defense. It didn't count for them. But they still gave up 21 points going into halftime. And and that's fair. The interception in 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 the um you know, on their side of the field, it didn't help. Again, that's a great play by Jair Alexander. But guess what? If you're an elite defense, you hold them to three points. Okay, that's what happens in that situation. But again, like when we look at Dak Prescott as a quarterback, where are you going to find somebody better than him? Where? Who? What's the answer? Because everybody talks about move on from Dak Prescott. Okay, and who are you going to replace him with? You know, you 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 have. You think that you have the right to say, move on from him. But then when I ask, okay, well, who are they going to move on from? The common answer is, well, I don't know. I'm not a GM. Well, yeah, I know you're not a GM. I get that. But if you're going to sit there and say, get rid of the quarterback, who are they replacing him with? Because Trey Lance ain't going ain't to be any better for this organization. Trey Lance isn't the answer. This is a guy who 
has gotten injured, missed a lot of time, going back to his college days. Doesn't have a lot of reps in the NFL. This is a flat-out project quarterback. And by the way, Trey Lance's contract ends when Dak Prescott's contract ends. Which, by the way, that was such a bad trade, man. And I said it at the time, too. Go back and, and look at what I said on TikTok. Hated that trade. Absolutely hated it. And now the Cowboys don't have a fourth-round pick for it. It, which sucks. It sucks so much because I like a lot of these prospects in that fourth round area. And the Cowboys draft very well in the fourth round. The fact that you don't have, you know, a fourth round pick after trading for Trey Lance is a bit ridiculous. It's annoying. Um, but yeah, Dak should be questioned after this performance. Absolutely. No doubt about it. He was really bad. He was really bad. But my my thing is when it comes to this, it, it's it's not... Dak getting a majority of the blame. He does not deserve a majority of the blame. He doesn't. Okay. It needs to be evenly distributed. What about Micah Parsons? He was a no-show. Micah Parsons has been a no-show over the past two seasons in the second half of the year. I think he's gotten two and a half sacks over the last seven games. And I get it. Sacks aren't everything. But you can get, what's that, 11 and a half in the first, what's that, 11 games or, or 10 games that you play? But you can only get two and a half in the next seven. Come on, guys. The, the, the writing's on the wall. And that's one thing I'm not going to do with this football team anymore. When the writing is on the wall, I'm going to read the writing. Because they told us all year. Big game. Bills, 49ers. We're not even on the same playing field as these teams. Okay, the when the writing is on the wall next season, I'm going to read it. And if the writing on the wall says... This could potentially be a Super Bowl team. Then I'll read the writing and I'll say, hey, this could potentially be a Super Bowl team. You know? But they're going to have to show me. They're going to have to go into big spots when they're not favored, when they're on the road, when they're in a tough spot and go win a game. For example, right? And I I know their season flat out collapsed and, and they're not a very good football team right now. But when the Eagles went into Kansas City and won that football game on the road, that was an incredibly impressive win because they were in a tough spot on the road versus a very good football team, and they found a way to win that game. I mean, also, Marquez Valdez-Scantling dropped an easy touchdown. But you get what I'm saying. One of those type of wins. Go into a good, go into a good team's home. Not be the favorite and go pull out a win. Because guess what? Other coaches are doing that. LaFleur did that. LaFleur did that twice this, this, this postseason outside of winning versus San Fran. They were heavy underdogs in that game. But guess what? They went out there and they played really good football because that's a really well-coached football team. You know, he gets the most out of his guys. McCarthy doesn't. But I went off on a little bit, bit of a tangent here. Um, Doc's extension, it's, it's, in, it's in the works. And the sooner you accept it, the less mad you'll be when the contract extension uh, gets signed. All right, let's talk about the offseason for the Cowboys. Look, they're going to have to go all in, flat out. What they did last offseason isn't going to be enough. Now, if they want to make those type of deals, make those type of deals, because those weren't nice players that they added. But at the end of the day, they were just small improvements to your roster, right? Like, for example, Dalton Schultz was a nice player for your football team, and you replaced a nice player with, a nice player in Brandon Cooks. You know, Diggs unfortunately got injured and you, you replaced him with Stefan Day or uh, Stefan Gilmore and Deron Bland on the opposite side of him. 
you know, your cornerback room was better this year than it was last year because it was just not good last year. It wasn't a flat-out liability this year. It wasn't. I, I thought they were fine. I thought that the corners were fine. You know, they they did well with the hand that they were dealt. But these were nice additions that they had for their football team last year. But in terms of all-in, no, it did not fit that billing. You know, to me, all-in would be, hey, go pick up, you know, one of these big-name running backs that could potentially be on the market along with a Patrick Queen. Maybe a Chris Jones is out there. Maybe you talk about him. You know, obviously, you're not going to get all three of those guys, but if you can get you can get me Patrick Queen and Chris Jones, and they're going to be able to create some cap space. They will. They're going to be able to do that. If you can go get those guys, then yeah, like I think that fans will be on board for this team this upcoming season. But to me, this isn't about personnel. This is about who's in charge of that personnel. It's the coaching staff, Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn. If they're back next year, how can I have any faith in this football team? They've had great rosters in the past. They've had great, they had a great roster in 2021. It was an undisciplined football team. And that's ultimately why they ended up losing in the first round. Now, granted, I do give them a little bit of a pass for the 2022 season. The front office made some big changes to that roster, and they were kind of in a bad spot. They dealt with some bad injuries going into that San Fran game, so I'll give them a little bit of a pass on that one. Um, This year, no, no excuse whatsoever. You were home. You played the youngest team in NFL history, and you lost, and you lost in embarrassing fashion. So they're going to have to go all in. You know, they're going to have to create a better run scheme. You can bring in Derrick Henry. You can bring in Saquon. You can bring in Josh Jacobs. You can bring in whoever. doesn't matter. doesn't mean anything if you're not improving how you run the football instead of who you're running the football with. Because that's ultimately, at the end of the day, what is the most important? It's about the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and Joe's. If you have both of those things, you're going to be unstoppable. Right? Look at San Francisco. They have the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and Joe's. And they're a really good football team. And if this team could have the X's and O's to go along with the Jimmys and Joes, because they have that, then they'd be a much better football team. You know, 13 personnel, halfback dive. How, how, how creative is that? How creative is that? Go look at some of these efficient run schemes, right? Like Detroit or Miami, right? Like you wouldn't think of Miami as a team that's great at running the football, and, and I think that they're very good at running the football. It's at least enough to keep a defense honest. And that's why you ultimately have to look at what Dak Prescott did this season and walk away a bit impressed because he did all this with the offense being him and CeeDee Lamb. Now, if you start adding more wrinkles to this, to this offense, you get a better run scheme. You can run the ball more efficiently. That takes pressure off Dak Prescott. You want pressure being taken off Dak Prescott. Right, Buffalo did that with Josh Allen. They have a good run scheme over there, and I know they they fell short against Kansas City, but you know they took pressure off Josh Allen. Hey, don't worry about it. We got James Cook. We'll get him. We'll get him the football. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about pressing. Josh Allen does the same stuff that Dak does when he gets behind. Dak tries to make the fourteen point play, just like Josh Allen does, and unfortunately comes back to bite him. You know so. Uh, to me, better run scheme is 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 very important. They're going to need to go dry, uh, get a linebacker in free agency. That would be um, much appreciated. Patrick Queen is a guy that we're talking about. You know, 
That's a guy that I think the Cowboys can go out there and realistically get. I mean, think about it like this. If they actually played Micah Parsons more off ball, you know, his brother talked about it on Twitter. And I get it. Like, his brother is making a little bit of a name for himself by saying some stuff on Twitter. But one thing I I agree with him big time on is first, second down, play Micah Parsons off ball. Third down, let him rush the passer. If you have Micah Parsons as the Mike linebacker and Patrick Queen as your weak side linebacker, teams are going to have difficulty running the football on you. And you have Jonathan Hankins, who can who's a pretty solid nose tackle. And you have Anosa, who's a good three-technique run stopper. You know, just an overall defensive lineman. Good pass rusher, good run stopper. Teams are going to have a hard time running the football on you. You have Demarcus Lawrence. You have a guy like Sam Williams, who I think has a lot of potential to be a good uh, player against the run. Right? You have these guys on your roster. So... Grabbing a linebacker is going to be important for them. Maybe even two. Maybe even two. Because I I just don't think Damone Clark is it. And you don't know with DeMarvian Overshone. You know? You just don't know about him. Because he is coming off that bad injury. ACL injury. We've seen how ACL injuries affect these players that the Cowboys have. And they're going to have to nail this draft. They are. Um, look, last last year's draft was bad. Mozzie in the first, Luke Schoonmaker in the second. Two picks that I liked. You know, I'll, 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 I'll own that. I, I like those two picks. I was just, I misevaluated those players. I, I liked Overshone. Overshone was on his way to being a really good football player. Now, Volumi Fioka showed some things last year in the preseason. He did. You know, fifth round pick, Awesome Richards. You know, I, I think with Awesome Richards, he just, he didn't get the opportunity because the offensive line was so deep. You know, so that that's the that's the reason why he didn't get an opportunity there. Deuce Vaughn, you know, wasn't his year. Jalen Brooks, I like Jalen Brooks a lot. I do. I like him a lot. And I think that he could potentially be a player for this football team. You know, what type of player? Maybe somewhere close to a Michael Gallup. But I think that he has potential. But they're going to have to nail this draft. They're going to hack have to get back to what they did in 2022 to where I think a big reason as to why they were so good in 2022 was the fact that they were getting so much uh, production from their rookies. So, you know, that's what they're going to have to do this off season. uh, If they want to improve this team and get fans back on board. All right. So this is some of my favorite stuff to talk about the NFL draft. My it's my favorite part of the off season. Uh, I have my three round mock draft for the Cowboys 1.0. So, Here's some questions that the Cowboys have to ask themselves going into this draft. The two deepest positions are wide receiver and offensive tackle. How do they feel about their offensive line going forward? Because here's the thing. I do think that they keep Tyron Smith. And if they are really going all in this year and they're just completely throwing caution to the wind when it comes to future years, then you might want to go wide receiver here uh, due to the fact that, you know, when I look at these number two wide receivers that get added to these football teams, I look at it, Devontae Smith. Now, he wasn't added after A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown came to that team. But you see the dynamic between A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and how well they play together. You see Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. You see uh, you know, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Even what 
Kirk Cousins was doing with the Vikings when they got Jordan Addison. They drafted him in the first round. They had Jefferson and Addison. That was a very explosive offense. So I, I don't think it's a bad idea to add, you know, a really good number two wide receiver to your roster. And there's going to be plenty of guys there at that pick that the Cowboys can potentially pick up. Some of those wide receivers are going to be uh, Xavier Leggett from uh, South Carolina. Um, you have Troy Franklin from Oregon, maybe Keon Coleman from Florida State slides down the board and you could potentially pick him up. Uh, you, you just never know who's going to be available there, right? So you have to ask yourself, okay, do we want to draft the positions that are the deepest in this first round or do we want to go maybe a Kool-Aid McKinstry? You know, the players available in my mock draft, I had Kool-Aid McKinstry, cornerback from Alabama. He's a good player. So you have to ask yourself this, okay, is it a bad idea to add Kool-Aid McKinstry to the secondary and your boundary corners for the next few years here are Diggs, McKinstry, and then you have Deron Bland playing in the slot? Is that a bad idea? I don't think it's a bad idea. It's not the way I would go just because I don't think the Cowboys need a corner. Jordan Morgan from Arizona. I haven't watched his tape yet. I I don't have access to the 2023 um, offensive line tape from Arizona yet. We'll have to see if I end up getting that. But I hear really good things about this guy. I do. So if he's there, I think the Cowboys are going to give him some serious consideration. I'm hearing that he's probably going to be a riser. Braylon Trice from Washington and Graham Barton. So I haven't watched Trice's film yet. Um, I'm still pretty early in the process here. I did watch Graham Barton. I'm a big fan of his. If the Cowboys end up going that direction, I'm completely fine with that. Um, I, I think this guy's nasty. He has position flex. They might play him at center if you know they lose a Tyler Biotich, let's just say, if they end up drafting him. And then maybe he's Zach Martin's replacement, something like that. You know, Or maybe they just keep him at center for the rest of his career. This team had Travis Frederick. They drafted him in the first round. Was that a bad first round pick? You know, the the Baltimore Ravens drafted Tyler Linderbaum in the first round a few years ago. Was that a bad first round pick? So, you know, if he ends up just being a, a really high level center, if Graham Barton becomes Jason Kelsey, are you going to be upset with that pick? I'm not. I didn't end up picking him here, even though he was available. Who I ended up picking, though, was Brian Thomas Jr., wide receiver from Louisiana State University. I got a scouting report here. By the way, I'm going to have a draft show where I just go over prospects and storylines when it comes to the draft. That's dropping pretty soon. But um, let's talk about Brian Thomas Jr. going to the Cowboys here at pick 24. Um, this is my scouting report on him. He's 6'4", 205 pounds, right? So nice frame for an NFL receiver. And I think he can grow into a more physically imposing uh, frame. His pro comp from a lot of people is Martavius Bryant. You know who plays for the Dallas Cowboys right now? Martavius Bryant. So it's clear that they like that prototype and a player. But I'll go over my scouting report here. You know, so his stats from the 2021 season, 28 receptions, 41 targets, 359 yards, two touchdowns, 12.6 yards per reception, five drops and zero from fumbles. 2022, 31 receptions, 48 targets, 361 yards, five touchdowns, 11.6 yards per reception, three drops and zero fumbles. 2023, 68 receptions, 87 targets, 1177 yards, 17 touchdowns, 17.3 yards per reception, five drops and a fumble. Okay, so 
just right off the bat, what are these stats telling you? Now, when it comes to evaluating a prospect, stats are not the end-all, be-all, but it's something that you have to look into, right? Because it could mean one of two things. One, is he a one-year wonder? Two, is he just a late bloomer and his latest season in college football is when he really takes off? I'm going towards the latter into him being a late bloomer because this guy has it. You know, let's go over, you know, what... Brian Thomas Jr. going into Louisiana. He attended Walker High School in Louisiana where he was a two-star, uh, two-sport star playing both football and basketball where he got power conference scholarships in both sports, consensus four-star recruit from rivals, ESPN, 24-7 sports, and on three. As a basketball player, he had offers for Florida and Texas A&M and helped Walker High School win the 5A Louisiana State title in 2018 as a freshman, named second team All-State as a junior, and scored more than 1,000 points in all three of his basketball seasons. That's incredible. Um, So what does that tell me, right? You're a two-sports star. You get Division One offers from, you know, schools in basketball and football. That tells me that you are a dedicated athlete. It is very hard to be as good as Brian Thomas Jr. is at both football and basketball. Very hard. First-round pick receiver, potentially, and a guy who could have went D1 for basketball. So if I'm a general manager, that's a green flag, big-time green flag. So, you know, right now, when I'm looking at just his resume as a whole, I'm seeing his best season was his junior season. I think that that's, you know, reflective on his tape. I think that he's a late bloomer compared to just a one-year wonder. And I see that he's a two-sports two star and getting Division One offers in both sports, and he's going to be a first-round pick receiver. He's a dedicated athlete. I'm not questioning his work ethic whatsoever. That's one thing that I'm thinking as a general manager of an NFL football team. He led the country in touchdowns, guys. That's incredible. Um, Mar- had more than Marvin Harrison Jr., had more than Malik Neighbors, had more than Roma Dun- uh, Dunze. He had more than all those guys. He's a red zone threat, very good frame for an NFL receiver, consistently gets leverage with his release and his route running. It feels like this guy always has a way to get open. It's a big-time vertical threat, big-time. Explosive player, does a really good job tracking the ball, ideal length, two-sports star in high school, which leads to him having an incredible work ethic, ethic, and he has a very high ceiling. The cons are is that he has one year of major success. Now, I look at that as him being a late bloomer compared to being a one-hit wonder. Played alongside an elite player, so the defenses weren't primarily focused on him. That is a thing. Um the physicality of the NFL will be an adjustment for him. We'll see how he makes that adjustment. And he does need to develop his route tree a little bit. Other than that, uh, you know, I'll probably end up with a second round grade on Brian Thomas Jr. To give you guys a little bit of a background on how, how grading works when it comes to uh, prospects is that, you know, NFL teams have about 12 on the low end to 20 on the high end first round grades. He would probably to me, and that's the way I, you know, go about grading these players. I'd say that Brian Thomas Jr. is at the very top of the second round grades. But when you get to pick 24, there's a very real possibility that you're wiped out of first round grades in general. So, you know, I just wanted to put that out there for you guys so that I could give you guys a little bit of a breakdown on how, you know, I went over Brian Thomas Jr. here. Okay, so 
Second round pick. Uh, pick 50, uh, 56. You got players available were Edron Cooper, Texas A&M linebacker. Jeremiah Trotter Jr., linebacker from Clemson. Running back Jonathan Brooks from Texas. Very good prospect towards ACL. That's going to be something to look at. Zach Frazier, center from West Virginia. Because you have to ask yourself, going into this draft, is Tower Biotic our center? And if he's not our center, who's going to be our center next season? I assume that they would slot Brock Hoffman in that spot for the time being. But he would ultimately get beat out by this gentleman, and that's Jackson Powers Johnson, center out of Oregon. 6'3", 320 pounds. 2021, he didn't allow a single sack. Zero quarterback hits, one hurry, one pressure, one penalty, 26 left guard snaps, 20 center snaps, and 80 right guard snaps. 2022, zero sacks allowed, one quarterback hit, one hurry, two pressures, four penalties, one left guard snap, 44 center snaps, 350 right guard snaps, five right tackle snaps. 2023, zero sacks allowed, zero quarterback hits, one hurry, one pressure, nine penalties, 829 center snaps. So uh, his latest season played a majority of that at center, which means I think that he's most likely going to uh, transition to just being uh, strictly a center on the next level. Attended Corner Canyon in Draper, Utah, where he was a consensus four-star recruit from ESPN Rivals, 24-7 Sports, and on three. In high school, he helped Corner Canyon win three state championships, playing on both sides of the ball. They won back-to-back 6A state championships and a 5A state championship as they went 51-1 and when he was there. He also played baseball and wrestled in high school. So Will McClay, the... Uh, VP of player personnel is big on, um, you know, guys playing multiple sports, right? So he looks at, he looks at that pros are that he has very good size for an NFL center for an NFL center. I don't know if he's going to go across the line, but we'll talk about that. Excellent in pass protection, only giving up one pressure all season. Does a good job picking up stunts and helping in pass protection, can anchor well, moves well for his size, does a good job in run blocking, reaches the second level, can be used as a pole blocker. Cons is that he can uh, be tall in his stance and allow opponents to get hands on his chest from times. Uh, probably doesn't have a lot of position flex in the NFL. If you're drafting this guy, you're drafting a center. And he can struggle with balance at times, but can work on that in the NFL with the right coaching. So, you know, I don't hate linebacker in this spot. I really don't. But I I, I do like that pick of power, uh, Jackson Powers Johnson. And again, we're going to be going over different names, right? I don't want these mock drafts to look the same uh, every single week. I want you guys to get familiar with these names. And I want you guys to tune into the draft show so that you can get more familiar with these names. But, you know, I just want to put some names out there, get you guys familiar with these guys. Okay, so with my third round pick, um, the players left on the board, notable names, uh, Blake Corum and Brain Fisk from FSU. But ultimately, I ended up picking uh, Trey Benson here. Pick 87 in the third round, uh, 87 overall, third round. Trey Benson. Now, 
They definitely can go linebacker here, but the linebackers that were on the board, I just wasn't really that big of a fan of, which is ultimately why the Cowboys might need to reach a little bit in the second round um, and maybe go grab a linebacker, depending on how their team ends up being put together going into this draft. We'll have to wait and see, but um, yeah, it, it, it does suck that a linebacker wasn't available in this spot because I probably would have taken it, but we took Trey Benson, who I think is a uh, very good prospect here at the running back position. Height, 6'1", weight, 223 pounds. Stats, uh, 2021, six carries, 22 yards, 3.7 yards per attempt, one touchdown, and zero fumble. Zero fumbles. 2022, 154 carries, 909 yards, 6.4 yards per attempt, nine touchdowns, and zero fumbles. 2023, 156 carries, 905 yards, 5.8 yards per attempt, 14 touchdowns, and zero fumbles. So automatically, what do you hear from those stats? He doesn't fumble the football. So you don't have to worry about that with Trey Benson. Spent his 2020 and 2021 season at Oregon before uh, he transferred to Florida State. He tore his ACL, MCL, lateral meniscus, medial meniscus, and tendon in his hamstring uh, at once. A tendon in his hamstring at once. In December of 2020 at practice, went to St. Joseph's in Greenville, Missouri, where he was rated as a four-star recruit from 24-7 Sports and a three-star by rivals in ESPN, rushed for 3,616 yards and 48 touchdowns in two high school seasons as he helped St. Joseph's win back-to-back 3A MAIS state championships. Okay, so... When you go over the pros of Trey Benson, my paper will flip here. Good frame for an NFL running back, right? 6'1", 223 pounds. You're going to survive in the NFL at that frame. Violent runner, good lower body strength as he uses it to power through to get extra yards after contact. Only has 316 carries in his entire uh, college career. You know, you see Zeke's rushing attempts coming out of Ohio State and compare that to uh, Trey Benson's, you'd be like, damn, that's a massive difference. Uh, Patient and good at waiting for blocks to develop. Good burst, good vision, can be an effective pass catcher out of the backfield and has potential to be a good receiver in the slot. The cons is that uh, he suffered a really bad knee injury in 2020, but it has been, you know, come the time the draft starts, He'd be, what's that, three and a half years removed from his injury, and he's still showing explosiveness. He's still showing burst. He's still showing all that stuff. So, you know, I get that people might be turned away by that injury that he had, and I don't blame you for doing that. But, you know, I do see what I see on film is a really good player right now. Ineffective pass protector. Don't ask him to do that. It's going to be something that he's going to have to improve on. Uh, throughout his career, very much like uh, Tony Powered. And at times he plays with high pad level. So overall, as a prospect, you know, Trey Benson, I'm probably going to have a third round grade on him. Nice player, really nice player. And if the Cowboys want to get better at running the football and and just offensively, I I did go heavy on the offense here. Um, but again, that's just my first mock draft. And and the reason why I'm doing these mock drafts is that, you know, I'll do a mock draft when it comes to closer to draft time to where I'll be like, no, this is where they should go. This is definitely who they should pick here. And this is the way they should go about it. And guys rise up and down boards. 
uh, during draft season like crazy. So some of these guys that I'm talking about, like let's just say, for example, Brian Thomas Jr., teams might look at him as a top 15 pick when this is all said and done, or they might look at him as a second round pick, depending on, you know, combine results, pro day results, how he interviews and all that other stuff, right? So just getting you guys familiar with some names here, you know, don't hold me to the fire and say, these are the guys that you want to pick uh, when it's all said and done. I mean, granted, if they do end up with these three players, I know I drafted all offense here, but I think that you improve your offense big time if you do that, right? You add a number two receiver to your offense. You add a center that I think uh, will be an upgrade from Tower Biotic that I think will help you improve in your run game. You add a running back that you can now have for the next four seasons, and I think that your running game is going to improve because I think that he's probably going to be a better player than Tony Power next year due to the fact that you know we're starting to see age catch up with Tony Power. So, yeah. Um, fun stuff when it comes to the draft and, uh, yeah, I can't wait to, uh, go through this draft season with you guys, you know, make sure to look out for the draft show, uh, on Cowboys beat here. I can't wait. I really can't wait. Got a lot of prospects lined up that I'm going to be watching and that I've already watched that I'm going to be talking to you guys about. So yeah, be on the lookout for that. So that's going to be it for the Cowboys beat podcast for January 22nd, 2024. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you guys made it this far into the episode, you guys are the best. There was a lot of news to talk about. I mean, man, you had the Mike McCarthy, Dan Quinn, Dak Prescott news. We had to talk about the game and and how much of a colossal failure that was in the offseason and the mock drafts and stuff like that. So it's going to be a lot of fun this offseason. I'm going to be more consistent with these podcasts. I am 100%. It's hard to do it during the season um, because they do come out on Sunday and I got so much stuff to do following the game. But yeah, we're going to be more consistent with these podcasts this offseason. Expect the Cowboys be draft show to be in your library come Wednesday and Friday as well. Love talking about the draft. Love talking about prospects. So um, I will see you guys in the next episode.